You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We're in Matthew chapter 4 this evening. Thankful for the opportunity to preach. I've been told multiple times not to be long tonight, so I'm not quite sure how to take that. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But Matthew chapter 4, and we won't be long tonight, I promise. I don't know what that means, but uh, be long. I mean, that's a very vast definition. But uh, anyway, Matthew chapter 4, let's start in verse number 1. The Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now the first word of verse number 1 is what? Then, meaning there's something that must have happened before verse 1, something that just had taken place. And so let's back up just a little bit. The Bible says in verse 16 of chapter 3, And Jesus, when he was baptized, ah, so Jesus, getting baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I love that portion of scripture. Can you just imagine uh, being there? We have Jesus, the Son of God, and as Jesus is baptized, now he didn't have to be baptized, but he did it to, be, uh, to set an example for us to follow, but yet right after his baptism, we have the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And then we have the Heavenly Father from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. We have the Trinity of God represented here in this passage of Scripture. There's a lot of places that uh, I would like to go uh, one day in heaven. If we could go back in history and look at different scenes uh, of the Bible and different events that had taken place. This is one of them that I would love to go back to and just see. Uh, as Jesus uh, is baptized, the Holy Spirit coming down, descending like a dove. I mean, it's visual. They could see it. And then they could hear the voice of the Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. What a high point right here. And then we get into the, the portion of Scripture right after that. Immediately following, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command thee, uh, that these stones be made bread. Lord, I pray that you'd help us with this uh, message tonight. Lord, I believe you've given it to me, if, if not for any other reason, but to help me. And so, Lord, tonight as we uh, are taking the, the remainder of the service, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray that we'd be open to the leading and the guiding that you'd have for us tonight, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message tonight is this, Finding Strength in Your Weakest Moments. Finding Strength in Your Weakest Moments. Almost everything in life has pros and cons, does it not? For example, just because I like food, and uh, I already talked about food in chapel today at the school, and I talked about it last week. I guess it's just a hobby of mine. But pros and cons, when I think about McDonald's, what's a pro of McDonald's? I, I did not hear delicious, did I? Okay, I did? Okay. 
Maybe, maybe some items, I don't know. That's up for debate. Um, but uh, we think of McDonald's when we don't have a whole lot of money in the pocket, right? It's, it's not too expensive to go to McDonald's and get a burger, okay? The, the cost of that is compared to other restaurants. I'm not saying McDonald's doesn't have delicious food. I don't want to offend anybody tonight. But it, the quality may not be as good as other places, right? Now, if we go to a steakhouse, we have some steakhouses in town. We have some uh, hot, very high-end steakhouses that I have never been to in Raleigh. Uh, I've been to one Brazilian steakhouse. I've talked about that before, and that's like unlimited uh, all-you-can-eat meat. I mean, it's incredible, uh, but it comes with a price tag, right? So there's, the pro is incredibly delicious food. The con is it's going to hurt your bank account, right? We have an iPhone, or I have an iPhone, and there are some pros and cons about an iPhone. Maybe, maybe um, you're convinced that there's no cons about an iPhone, but I think there may be. If you talk to someone who doesn't have an iPhone and prefers not to have an iPhone, they have several cons to list out for you. But one pro would be that it's user-friendly, right? It's a very easy-to-use phone, and they do that on purpose. It uh, connects to other Apple devices as well. So if you have a MacBook laptop, it'll connect to that. If you have a watch, it'll connect to that. So very neat features. And the iPhone 14 just came out. Um, I don't have it. Does anybody have the new iPhone 14 yet? No? Okay. Well, it is. It's come out now. My uh, brother-in-law sent me a picture of it. And it uh, doesn't look too much different, but, of course, there's different features now. And, but the con to that is, to an iPhone, would be that, it doesn't have much of a back end. If you have an issue, and uh, Brother Dan is probably loving that I'm admitting this right now, uh, but uh, if I have an issue with my phone, sometimes it's very hard to remedy if it's in the back end of it, right? If, if uh, someone uses a Windows computer or an Android phone, there are a little bit more uh, options that you can go and fix it yourself, and iPhone's not as easy, okay? There, there you go. I admitted it. People. When we think about a certain position that we need to fill, whether that's uh, we're planning an event or there's a need in a ministry here at the church or you're trying to find someone for a, a particular job, there's a, a, a process that goes through our mind and we think, okay, who is going to be good at doing this? There may be some that come across your mind and you think, no, they probably wouldn't be the best one for this spot. And so there's, there's some strengths and weaknesses uh, to people. Um, we have job interviews. And a lot of time, the, uh, uh, the one who's doing the interview asks some questions to try to find out. Sometimes they're just pointed and say, tell me your strengths or tell me your weaknesses. Or they get creative with the questions like, what type of work environment do you prefer? Well, I prefer one that's rather slow paced and not required a lot of work, right? No. Um, how, how do you deal with pressure or stressful situations? Do you prefer working independently or on a team? When you're balancing multiple projects, how do you keep yourself organized? Sticky notes, right? Sticky notes. What did you do in the last year to improve your knowledge? Here are some questions that you might be asked in a job interview. And uh, you can get creative with those answers. But they're designed to find your strengths and your weaknesses. How about our personal weaknesses? How about some weaknesses that we might be able to identify in our Christian life? Is it, well, I, I probably should be reading my Bible a little bit more. Or maybe, you know, prayer, I need, I need to get a little bit better at prayer. Maybe it's music. Man, I, 
you know, I, I often listen to music I probably shouldn't listen to and, uh, and fail to listen to the music I should. Is it church attendance? Is it priorities? Managing your schedule so that you have time to actually spend with the Lord and, and prioritize it the way that, that God wants you to prioritize your schedule? We all have weaknesses that we can identify in our life. You might have heard this phrase before, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And that's exactly what the devil wants to try to find in your life. He's trying to find the weakest link. And as he does, he's going to use that to attack that very spot in your life. This is exactly the tactics that he was using uh, with Jesus here. Now, Jesus, the Son of God, he's sinless, he's perfect, and yet he was tempted of the devil as well. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are. So, 40 days, 40 nights without food. Jesus went to the wilderness, which was a, a desert place. He was led there by the Spirit of God. Maybe you ask yourself questions like, God, why did you allow this to happen in my life? Lord, this is pretty negative. I, I've had a terrible day today. God, why, why does this happen and why did you allow this? And then we go back to Scripture and we see that even Jesus was led by God, the Spirit of God, into the wilderness to be tempted or tested of the devil. I know there's several reasons why God allows certain things like that into our life, and it may just be to strengthen your faith. It may just be to help you realize that, hey, it doesn't matter how big the problem is, all you have to do is depend on me. In verse number 3, we find after 40 days and 40 nights of no food, Jesus was hungry, and then that's when the temptation came. Now, statistics tell us that you can only survive 8 to 21 days without food and water, and you can last up to 8, or I'm sorry, 2 months if you have a water supply. And so Jesus here being 40 days and 40 nights without food, that's, that's getting pretty hungry. I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd be starving at that point. And we could dare say that Jesus may have been physically at his weakest point, um, maybe uh, not, not including Calvary, at this point when Satan came to test him. In verse 3 it says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus saith unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now I think about being hungry. I hope nobody's hungry right now. Anybody hungry? Okay, some of us are. I'm sorry. Let's think about just some times in the Bible where somebody had an encounter with food and because of their hunger, they failed or they sinned. 
Go all the way back to Genesis, right? Adam and Eve, what were they tempted with? Taking of the fruit of the forbidden tree, right? That was, right then and there, that was what, where sin entered into the world. How about Esau? What did he do? Well, he was hungry. He was faint. As a matter of fact, he gave up his entire birthright for just a bowl of pottage. We find in Saul's army, 1 Samuel 14, that Saul's army was so hungry because Saul gave them a commandment not to eat anything until they won the, the battle. And by the end of the day, they were so hungry that they ran upon the spoil. They ran uh, up to the animals that they had uh, just defeated the, the enemies, that their animals, and they ate those animals with the blood, meaning they were so hungry they didn't take proper measures to prepare it properly, and therefore they sinned. So we see that there is some hunger issues that we can certainly face, just like these individuals faced in the Bible. And just now, Jesus is so hungry. I imagine those rocks look pretty appetizing at that very moment. As, as Jesus looks at those rocks and, and the devil's pointing at those and saying, Hey, Jesus, you're the son of God, aren't you? I mean, aren't you all powerful? Is it not too hard for you just to turn those rocks into bread? And Jesus knew he could have done it. But yet he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That first temptation is attack on Jesus' weakness. He attempts to get Christ to make a selfish decision. That second temptation, Satan attempts to get Christ to make a reckless decision. Hey, throw yourself off of this pinnacle of the temple. Aren't the angels taking care of you? Does, isn't that what, what the word of God says? And that third temptation, Satan attempts to get Christ to bow down in worship to him in exchange for the wealth of the world. Could I say your vulnerability is not always just at your weakest area or what you consider the weak spot in your Christian life, but it could also be just weakened by circumstances, a storm, a difficulty comes, just as Jesus was weakened here because he's, he was hungry. You may feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. There may be so much happening in your life that you feel defeated and hopeless. And it's at times in your life when you feel like that, that we understand that we must draw our strength, not in ourself, but we must draw our strength to overcome and to get through those temptations, to quit, to give up, just to please yourself. And we have to draw our strength from an outside source. And that's where we find the true strength lies in God. So I want to give you just some points some strengtheners, if you will, of how do you get strength when you are weak? Jesus was weak in this very point in time, 40 days and 40 nights without food. How about us? When we're weak, when we're facing a hard time, when we're having a bad day, what are some things, what are, what are some strengtheners that we can get in our life to help us through those hard times? Number one, and we'll be quick, number one, look to the Savior. Look to the Savior. It says in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You must draw your strength from God when you have none. So could I ask you tonight, where is your focus? Where is your focus? You know when Jesus was on the cross, where his focus was? 
It was on us. You know the song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. We were on his mind. And so when we go through those hard times, when we go through the temptations and the struggles and the test of life, we should have Christ on our mind. We should focus on him. People who are afraid of heights, which I'm included in that category. I tell you what, I'm okay if I don't look down. But when I look down, that's all bets are out. Just get me out, down from here, whatever the case may be, right? I remember working a job in high school, and it was uh, building grain bins. For someone who doesn't like heights, that's not a great fit, okay? Grain bins can get pretty high. As a matter of fact, I remember one time I climbed up the ladder, very shakingly, climbed up the ladder, and I was sitting on the top of the roof of that grain bin, and the ground looked so far away, and the people looked so tiny. And I thought to myself, I'm supposed to do work up here? I'm supposed to install something up here? There is no way. And so you know what I did? I just sat there until the person that was up there with me got the job done, and I came back down. I don't like heights. When I looked down, my focus was uh, not where it should have been, right? How about Peter in the Bible? Peter, the winds and the waves, they were crashing against the boat. Jesus comes walking out on the water. And then Peter said, hey, Jesus, can I come out and join you? Jesus said, sure. And so Peter, the only other person recorded in the Bible that ever walked on water, besides Jesus himself, he starts walking on the water, walking out toward Jesus. What an amazing experience that would have been for him. But what happened? He took his eyes off of Jesus. He started looking at the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. So when we go through the hard times, when we're going through struggles, when we ourselves are weak, we must look to the Savior. Number two, learn to use Scripture as your sword. Learn to use Scripture as your sword. Look to the Savior and then we must learn to use this Bible as our help, as our weapon, as our sword during times of temptation and struggle. Immediately after you get saved even, uh, someone who is new in Christ, uh, the Bible describes them as a babe, right? And so therefore, uh, as a baby, they don't know a whole lot about what Christianity is and they may not know a whole lot about what the Bible says. That's, that's when the devil comes to attack. It's almost like when that seed is planted and something starts to grow, that's when the devil wants to try and snatch away that seed. But we have to understand that, that we can use the word of God as a sword. The Bible says it in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Psalm 119.11 says, and this is what we should do as Christians, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Jesus combated the attacks of Satan with what? With scripture. Every answer to every temptation that we just read in Matthew chapter 4 and in the parallel passage in Luke, Jesus combats the temptation of the devil with the word of God. What, did, what was Jesus' response to that first temptation? But he answered and said, it is written. It is written. That's the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's found in Deuteronomy. 
That second temptation in verse number 7, Jesus responds and says, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. In that third temptation to bow down and worship Satan, Jesus answers, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So when you're going through a hard time, when you're struggling, when you're weak, we must learn to use the scriptures as our sword. We must learn to adequately use the word of God in defense against the attacks of the devil. And then number three, and we'll be done. I'm, I'm on track to being done early. Here it is. Number three, lean on the sovereign promises of God. Look to the Savior. Learn to use scripture as your sword. And then lean on the sovereign promises of God. The Bible is full of promises that God's made to us. Every verse, every line is a promise from God. For example, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even though you shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up, up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. What a promise. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Through God we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What wonderful promises that we find in Scripture. As a matter of fact, the Bible gives us promises of salvation, heaven, eternal life, God's word, uh, God's protection, provision, blessing, strength, grace, the promise of mercy and joy, God's love, God's presence, comfort, peace, prayer, all wonderful promises that we find in Scripture. And so we can lean on those very sovereign promises that God gives us. Know that God always keeps His word, and that should be a great comfort to us. Our middle child, Emma, she's three years old now. And she's every bit of the middle child, if you know what I mean. Um, anybody a middle child in here? Okay. M middle children. She is our, um, I say this term lightly, but it's a wild child, okay? She is just, there's no boundaries. I mean, she is just wide open. She's the free spirit of our family. And, uh, but she is, uh, she's be beginning to talk uh, pretty well. As a matter of fact, maybe a little too much. Um, but Emma, she is just full of words. And uh, she is at the stage where she wants affirmation. She wants confirmation. She wants to know that what she's doing or what she's saying is what's right. And so her, her famous or uh, well-used phrase now is, Right, Daddy? Right, Michael? Right, Mama? After she says something. Because she wants to know, I'm right, aren't I? 
You know, as a child of God, isn't that how we are? We look at the promises of God and we're going through a hard time and we're struggling and we just need some encouragement. And then we say, Lord, you, you promised us that you'll never leave us or forsake us, right? And we can rest in that fact. And God's telling us right now, yes, that, that's what I said. You can have confidence in the promises of God. God is always right. God never fails. He will never leave you. Don't fret about everything bad happening in life. Just trust God. Maybe you are where you are right now because God wants you to realize that's, that it is in him who you should be trusting and believing in during that trial. God allows tests in our life to build us and to make us stronger. You know, I think about these three things. Looking to the Savior, learning Scripture, leaning on the promises of God. They're really not that hard to do. It's not hard when you're down, when you're downtrodden, to look to something, right? It's not hard just to gaze over. And that's exactly what we ought to do. The Bible says that when the children of Israel uh, were, were fighting those fiery serpents and they were biting them and people were dying, remember what happened? Moses was instructed by God to make that brazen serpent and to set it up on a pole. And what did they have to do? All they had to do when they got bit was to look. And when they looked at that brazen serpent, the Bible says they were healed. All we have to do is look on the Savior Man, when we're going through a hard time, just look to him. Just focus on him. Hey, it's not hard to learn scripture. Uh, my, my almost five-year-old is uh, learning a verse of the Bible in kindergarten every week. That's a pretty impressive. I'm thankful for a Christian school who every grade, they have weekly Bible verses. I'm thankful for that. But for us as a child of God, it's, it's not hard to hide God's word in our heart. We just have to make the time to do it, don't we? It's not hard to lean on something. What's that called? It's called resting. We're given the promise of God, and all he says is to lean on that promise. And so for the child of God, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how weak you feel, because our strength is not in and of ourself. It is found in God and in his word. If at all tonight, I know it's a practical message, but if it's just a reminder to you that God is faithful and he is true, and his word is everlasting. Once you make it through the testing, you know, God is always going to nurture you back to the health that you once were, right? Just as Jesus went through the temptation and he was hungry 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says that angels came and ministered unto him. When we go through the hard times of life, God is always there to nurture us. God is always there to bring us back to health. So let's be like Christ and overcome the wicked one, even in our weakest moments. I'll end with this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse number 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So therefore, we should not stop looking to the Savior learning to use scripture as our sword, and leaning on the sovereign promises of God. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. 
For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.